Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host, Michael Peterson. With me in the studio tonight is Tamara Rusnak, who is an artist and art educator at Aidan Bowman and has an exhibition of her students' work opening at the Gordon Selgrove Gallery soon. So thanks for joining me, Tamara. I'm glad to be here. So first of all, this is going to air directly following the reception for yes. your show, yes. which is this coming Thursday, mm-hmm. correct? It starts at 4.30 and goes till 7 o'clock. And then the show is up for another week? At, no, it, or is it, that the end it opens it? tomorrow, Monday, and it'll go until Friday. Okay, so when people are hearing this, they basically have the one more day to <laughs> go right. out and see the show. Yes. But still good to talk about it. And your first time on the show, to my understanding. So. It's true, yes. Well, welcome. Yeah, so give us a bit of the background. This is the third year you've done this show? That's right. The last two shows have been featuring most of the students. This one's a special show. It features four students who are graduating from the Visual Arts IB, which stands for International Baccalaureate. So Eden Polischuk, Sam Boot, Dakota Lolly and Vibhika Helgeson um, have little mini exhibitions within the show. Um, I also have a group of grade 11s who are going to be showing um, another small group show on portraits. What's the impetus behind doing this? Because this certainly sounds like extra work for you. Yes, it is. But uh, I actually really enjoy it. It's really important for me for the students to have their work outside of the high school um, into the community. And so... Uh, getting their work, and I think the Gordon Snowgrove is amazing by allowing us to use their space. Um, so having their work there allows people outside of our school community to see it, and it's a way for the students in our school to connect with people in the arts community outside of Aiden Bowman as well. What has that been like for them so far in terms of that building of connection or an understanding of the larger art community? I think that uh, having artists come to the openings and having those conversations with different artists in the community builds a lot of confidence and I think it helps them understand how much effect an artwork can have on another person. In terms of the show itself, I know we were talking before we started recording about the difference between producing a single work and a body of work and Mm -hmm. so some of these students, the IB students as you're saying in particular, are coming out with this understanding of what it's like to work in a series and Mm -hmm. so Take us through that a bit. What's it like to help them to conceptualize this or to stick to a topic? It's actually been really interesting watching them come up with their ideas. Um, At the beginning, I don't think any of them really knew exactly what they wanted to explore as individuals. But each student uh, chose something that really came from themselves, from their own personal interests, um, and from their own personal stories. And for me, that's really rewarding because if I don't feel like as, as the art teacher, I'm telling them what to do and they're just doing it. Um, they're figuring it out on their own. How to, And this is where I'm seeing them really develop into artists. They come up with their own narrative or their own story or their own process, and then they work through that. And these four mini shows that the IB students have come up with are real great examples of four students who have taken their own direction and produced something to really tell, use their own voice as artists. Well, maybe you could take us through a bit of what the four have produced or some of the sure. themes that they're looking you to. Bet. So Sam is a musician, 
as well as an artist. And he's really interested in things that are really poppy and graphic-y and bright colors. Um, and so he was quite enamored with Andy Warhol and uh, silk screens and pop art. And so you can see that influence in work where Sam was really interested in the process and coming up with finished pieces. And so his work kind of is reflective of finding success through the process. Um, Vivica, uh, her work is a little bit more eerie and dark. Um, she has paper mache figures. It's in a corner, there's branches, and it comes from her personal story. Eden's is also based on her personal story. She, uh, she's created this magical tale that's based on a health condition that she has. And um, it's, um, it's really beautiful and gentle and, and it's told so wonderfully. Um, and she uses artifacts from the hospital as well as her own illustrations. And then Dakota's is uh, really reflective of her interest in both painting and photography and her, her interest in human psychology and how um, you can kind of read people just by body language. Well, you were mentioning a couple of them that are installation-based, which is certainly different than what I was exposed to during, you know, <laughs> high school art. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, yeah, and I'm assuming that has to be a challenge too in terms of preparing it at the school and then actually having that time to install. Mm -hmm. Well, the students were actually working on their, on their work at home a fair bit. I, I believe that some of the students probably turn their homes into studios <laughs> for a period of time. Um, I think there's a lot of support from family members as well from, for some of the students making their work. But yeah, um, I think it might even be a little bit of my influence as a person who really enjoys installation and in that immersive experience of, of art where you can kind of walk into a space and feel that. Um, so a couple of the students um, went in that direction, and I think it was really successful for them. Well, and certainly pushes those, yeah, it pushes them to consider something very different. And then are they there with you that weekend then in the Snell Grove installing? Yes. Yeah, they were there with me this weekend. So it really does take a commitment from the students and yes. like you say, from the parents. That's and... right. Yeah. They had to find a way to transport the material to the gallery. They had to commit at least a few hours this weekend to set everything up. And uh, they also had to write artist statements um, for the, the work as a whole, as well as for each piece within their, um, within their series. Well, and just to talk about a couple of them, you're saying uh, Vivica's? Vivica, yeah. Vivica. Her pieces are like, when I, you were showing me those photos, there's branches, mm -hmm. like you say, there's this figure, but it's really creating a bit of a, a world back there for her. Definitely. Yeah. I think she had a vision of what she wanted it to feel like. And, um, and I think that sort of feeling really drove what, she, what her, her art, uh, in some ways they are individual pieces, but when you look at them together, it really does feel like an installation. Well, and then Eden's, there's a wheelchair and there's mm -hmm. a few other pieces. So bringing, again, some of this equipment in. Mm -hmm. And is there writing with hers as well? Or is it? Yes. There is. Yeah, there is. Um, so she actually tells uh, a little bit of a graphic novel style story. And so there's images with words that recount a tale about um, sort of a magical being. And it's connected to artifacts that are in our world as well. So there's kind of a really beautiful uh, contrast of imagination and reality. 
And then you said in the past it had been more focused on bringing all your students in. Is that right? Or a large yes. number? Yeah. This year I decided to focus on the senior students largely because uh, we were, wouldn't have had enough space <laughs> right. for some of the younger students. And so, yes, the it was just mostly the, the senior students who exhibited this year. But just that opportunity for the students to come out and have an exhibition in a professional space. I'm guessing not all of them, you know, as it was, but that it pushes them or mm-hmm. asks them, you know, maybe gives them a reason to uh, engage a little further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that... I don't know that some of them know what's happening until they get into the gallery and then they see the work hung up on the wall and then they understand that, oh, you know, it changes. It changes the way you see the work when it's um, when it's displayed in a professional way amongst other students' works and they all kind of collectively mean something together. And uh, some of the other students who are coming in over the weekend and seeing uh, the work hanging up on the wall, I could tell that they were really excited and f- were feeling really confident about their work. And were, um, then we're like saying, oh, I'm going to bring my fen- friends and family to the opening so they can see this. So I think there's a lot of um, excitement and pride generated by doing this. This isn't the first time you've done this, like you're saying, but also you, this isn't the first project that you've brought them in. You've also been part of Nuit Blanche for yeah, that's right. a couple years now. Yeah. Is this two years or this three? This is the second year second we've year? done it, yeah. Where you've been creating a project with your students again. Yes. The first time we did it, it was more driven by uh, myself and um, my, te- my the team that I was working with. Um, we came up with an idea and then we got the students involved creating something for the project that we had designed. And this year I wanted the students to have more voice. And so I tried to get them involved in designing uh, what what this Polar Pop and uh, Pizza Box exhibition would kind of look like. And we came up with it largely together uh, through trial and error, not even really sure what was going to happen until we got out to the site. So tell, take us back a bit to the conceptual part, the polar pop, the igloos. The, so what, I, I mean, I, I've been involved in Nuit Blanche, so I, mm-hmm. I understand this, but for some mm-hmm. of our listeners who may not have been, mm-hmm. if you want to give us a bit of the backstory of where this came from. Well, when the call for submissions came and we found out that the theme was food, our school's right across from Max and Family Pizza. <laughs> yes. And every day I would see dozens of polar pop cups which are non-recyclable and uh, one-use pizza boxes just coming into our school. And the Polar Pop cups just seemed like they could be, they could both be transformed into something else. And so when it, and it made, it connected with this theme of food. So I, I sort of brought the idea to the students and asked them if they'd be interested in working with these and kind of coming up with ideas. And so we spent a a few weeks just sort of thinking about what it could look like. And we had lots of different ideas come forward uh, and lots of just experimenting with the materials and seeing what they could do. And ultimately, it was just uh, turning the pizza boxes into triangles and gluing the polar pop cups together. That seemed to be something that we could uh, work with and that could kind of evolve as we as we worked through the process. But this idea of expanding for the students what art materials are or what an art outcome can be. When I was going to high school, it was very much using traditional materials, you know, clay paints, you know, pencil and crayon, you know, like those kind of things. <laughs> yes. Where now it's 
yeah, thinking of using for students, you know, mm -hmm. these are the materials and the outcome is going to be a light based installation in a park. Mm -hmm. I have to assume for some <laughs> of them, this is, you know, challenging a bit what they had sort of come in with. Yes. When we were coming up with ideas, a lot of them wanted to turn the polar pop cups into a giant polar pop cup ah. and turn the pizza boxes into a giant pizza, which is, I mean, those are great ideas. But I was also trying to get them to think about a little bit outside of like what, what maybe we would expect. Um, and so we, we went through many, many ideas. And I think when I go to art galleries nowadays, I see so much different type, so many different types of, of materials and artworks that um, I try to bring in what I'm seeing back into the classroom so they can start thinking about art in new ways as well. And start to dialogue with a contemporary art practice as yeah. opposed to more of the historical? Yeah, a little bit of both. I like to teach modern art. I think I love modern art and um, I think it's really important to understand the evolution of art. But I also think that students need to understand that, um, you know, art comes from a place and it comes from a context and it comes from, uh, you know, a situation. And so the work that's being made now is very influenced by our lives right now. And the work that was being made back then was very influenced by their lives back then. And like just these materials that we have have influenced our project. So we were talking before you had a phrase, was it hand, heart and mind? Yes. OK, so explain <laughs> that. I think, well, for me, I, I think I enjoy an artwork most when uh, I can see there's some, the, when the person's made it, they've, they've used their hands, they've, they've used craft in some way. They've also engaged my mind. They've made me think about something in a different way. Um, and they've also, and for me especially, I, I like to be emotionally connected to the work that I look at. And so I think is really important for the students who want to develop skills to develop their skills and get really, really good at what they want to do. I also think it's really important for them to understand that art can be meaningful and art can art can change people. Um, you know, a really good artwork can connect two people and make them talk about something and um, can change both of their worldviews. And we were talking about that balance you'd mentioned between having skills-based art or having the skills to create aesthetically uh, successful pieces mm -hmm. but also the conceptual side mm -hmm. and that you know you're often looking in students to develop both right yeah yeah and because I assume as a, at the younger ages it's really the skills that you mm -hmm. can teach is that right or yeah usually for the first uh, year in art 10 I tend to focus on developing skills but I do want them to also think about what what their work means and so we do like I, I tend to start with a comic unit where they have to write a story about themselves where you know we learn a bunch of drawing skills but then they have to write a story that actually has has some kind of meaning and they and when they when they make their work they also have to reflect I get them to do reflections on their on their projects and I feel like that's starting to connect like you know what did you do and, and well why why did you do those things why did you make those artistic decisions and questions they've probably never been asked before I don't know I'm not sure I bet there's some elementary school teachers out there who are doing a great job of engaging them and thinking about that um, some yeah. of them do come in with some pretty um, amazing ideas okay um, but yeah it is for some of them it is the first time thinking oh you know an artist actually has a, an intention behind what they're doing and they're trying to communicate messages and they're you know some of them are trying to change the world so well and going forward for students this idea that if you have something you're trying to say even if you might not be at that moment you know as a high school student the mm -hmm. best technician that you know a lot of 
those who end up staying in art, I think, are those who have something to say or who, who can engage with the world mm-hmm. or who can interpret it or make us look at it differently. Mm-hmm. And so to, I, I just remembered, at least for me, when I got into university out of high school art, it was it was quite a change in terms of how art was viewed. And then even since, when you're like you say, when you're going to galleries mm-hmm. and seeing the work that's done, it's mm-hmm. um, oftentimes contemporary works are more focused on the conceptual. Yes. And so I think it's... I, I, I just think it's interesting to hear that that's being brought into mm-hmm. high school now. Mm-hmm. And I think part, partly it's my own, my own learning and transition as an art teacher. Over the course of the last few years, I think I value the ideas side more than maybe I used to. For instance, uh, an artist like Philip Guston, who I love, is not someone we would necessarily call like his, his artwork when we look at it. It's kind of sloppy and it's, it's not like beautifully aesthetic, but for me it's really powerful and communicative just because of the way that he's manipulating his materials. Um, so it's masterful in communication, but we wouldn't argue that it's masterful in, you know, realistic representation. And as you were saying about your own experience, I'm, did some of this start to change then when you went back for your master's? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Significantly, yeah. So this was in, am I getting right, 2011? or I finished in 2011. Okay. Yeah. And then I took a few years off from teaching and then I went back and I started at Aiden Bowman in 2013. So where were you teaching before? I was teaching at a high school in Richmond, BC, just outside of Vancouver. Oh, wow. So not, (laughs) so quite a change. So then came to Regina for your master's and then moved to Saskatoon to teach. Yes. Had you, were you from the prairies before then? Yeah. I was born in Regina. You were. Yeah. And then started coming home then. That's right. Yeah. Okay, but take us a bit, because not, I mean, I know that it's becoming more and more the norm for art teachers to have a master's, but mm-hmm. certainly not everyone who's teaching at the high school level has a master's degree. So what, what was that? You said it changed quite a bit. What mm-hmm. was that like going back and getting to spend time on your own practice? Well... Or more time on your own practice, I guess. What was it like to spend time on my practice? And how did that change when Me you're as a teaching? teacher? Yeah, a little bit of both. I think that it changed a lot. I, I, I left teaching... Um, I think more with a focus on technician, like as a technician teacher, um, I didn't really know how to teach kids to talk about art and to think about art and to write about art and then going through that process myself and having to do that in a very, like having to do that daily made me pretty good at it. And so now I think I can really support students in thinking about art and talking about art and articulating themselves And so I feel a lot more confident about doing it. And so I think that I incorporate that into my program more so because because I know how important it is too as an artist to be able to say, well, this is what I'm trying to do. And um, being able to say that in a very clear way. um, I would say some people probably would argue that art is just about, you know, visual communication and you shouldn't have to talk about it. Um, And I agree with that too. I think there's some art that is just about, you know, expressing the unexpressible and there's not words that you can put to it. And um, I love when when people make that work as well. Um, But for the students who might want to create a voice and articulate what they're trying to um, say, I I feel like I have some better skills now to to support them in that. So I I think that's one of the reasons I'm bringing it into my program more. Hmm. And what has the change been like for students that this movement away from the technical or not away from, but... Well, they're still working on skills, definitely. Like we, when we come up with projects, there's, there will be, it's more thematic. So portraiture, for instance, 
and um, and some of the students really want to do a great realistic portrait, and I think that's amazing, and they get better at that by practicing. Sure. And then some of the students, for example, I have a student who made a very symbolic portrait of Clara Schumann, who was sort of not as well recognized as her husband Robert Schumann, who we know as the famous composer. Um, and Marianne thought it was really important to tell Clara's story and didn't do it through a typical uh, representation of what she looked like, but took a piano, made a clay piano, and then um, distressed it and sort of added all these elements to it to kind of show the story of Clara. And I think that um, that's just another way of, of using your, your skills to, to communicate to people. Asking them about that sort of, still having that aspect of communication in there. And, and like you say, there can be art. I'm sure that does, you know, just communicates visually. But yes. at the student level, I'm, you know, it's helpful to be able to have those conversations to start to think about it. So mm-hmm. some of it's considered at least, right? yeah. you know. Yeah. And I suppose one of my goals, too, is that I know that after high school, some of these students uh, may never take another art class. This might be the end for them. But I want them to be able to understand when they go into museums and galleries that it's not totally baffling to them. They kind of, they'll have a little bit of a sense of, um, oh, you know, these are more conceptual artists. So, you know, maybe I should read the statement that goes with it or ask questions about it rather than reject them outright. So, (laughs) which I think I do sometimes too. Like sometimes I'll go into um, galleries that are feeling a little overwhelming and not feeling in the mood to to tackle the content. (laughs) Well, then... For your own practice too, mm-hmm. how has this? Because you you also keep up your own separate art practice aside. Sometimes from... <laughs> <laughs> you've had exhibitions. I, saw I you, have. Yes, you've been at art placement. You've shown work, right? I have a few. I have a few pieces that they have there. Yes, but okay. uh, it's been tough to maintain my practice while I'm teaching full time. Fair enough. Yes. It's hard to come home. I'm assuming after a day of teaching art and yes. then sit down and yourself. Yes, it's nice to take a class though. So I'm. I am taking a class at, uh, well, you know, I'm taking a class at Void and Silkscreen. So uh, that's really fun. And it's making me think about other ways to bring new skills into my practice. So It can be nice to have dedicated moments. I know even yes. when we run our art nights, it's like for myself, just like having, and we talk about that with my co-host of the nights, is that you're so busy and it's just this moment to come and yes. you have to sort of stop for that moment. And without yep. those dedicated times, it's so easy to let it's it go. It's true, yeah. Arts, for whatever reason, one of those things we allow to sort of... It's true. Well, it requires a lot of mental energy. Uh, Sometimes it requires a lot of physical energy as well. And um, at the end of a long day of teaching, sometimes all you want to do is kind of relax. So, (laughs) Sure. But uh, tell us a bit about the work that you're doing when you have time. Is it still installation based then? Yeah, I would say that I'm the work that I'm imagining doing in the future has uh, drawings in it and sculptures that are definitely connected to each other. Um, I've been creating these drawings of imaginary objects and arranging them uh, on a page in a somewhat, I guess, museological kind of display. And so they kind of look like they might be artifacts, but they only exist in my mind. And so one of the challenges for me is I want to start maybe creating them in in three dimension as well. But I also want to start making objects that are making objects that then I would also turn into drawings too. So kind of a little bit of a back and forth. And are these, is there a, 
like an ecological focus to this or any kind of conversations that way I, I when I was looking at them I mm-hmm. was trying to see if I could read that into it or if, I, <laughs> if I'm just projecting onto it but. well I have uh in my practice I do tend to focus on using uh sort of low like non-toxic and natural materials so I have been using um pigments natural pigments for the backgrounds and then using ink and then um for the for the sculptures probably using things like wood and basket weaving and felting and wax okay um just more uh kind of non i don't know what's what the word would be like just non-synthetic or something yeah non-synthetic i guess yeah when you say these natural dyes are are you making or natural pigments are you making these yourself then or well you can actually get them on online so (laughs) i have found a few just by digging around but um yeah i um i also buy natural pigments online as well sure but then building from that, do your students ever get to see your work or is sometimes, that... Sometimes, yeah. I like sometimes, well, with, with with the students, I, especially when it comes to the IB students, when they have to come up with a project, I'll talk about my master's project and sort of the story behind it and how, how I kind of created this narrative and um, just as a way to model to them. And then I'll also show other artworks and how they've created a body of work as well. And we do artist visits. Last year we got to visit... Um, Marie Lanou in her studio Great. and then we also visited, visited Jeff Noctegal in his right. studio and I think the students seeing the two contrasts between the way those two artists work was was pretty uh, uh, just very eye-opening for them even the way Jeff and and uh, Marie talk about their work was very different as well I'm sure um, and students loved both artists for very different reasons so. It's interesting when you were talking to, to go back to when you're talking about the class and that idea of looking at how you can bring different material practices in that I, I feel like that's probably giving you one of these rare opportunities for yourself to be learning something fair, mm-hmm. not that you don't know it already, but learning it in a different way. Sort yeah. of like, because I'm sure so much of what you're showing these students is th- what's fun is that they get to learn it new in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. And have that exploration. Mm-hmm. And so it's giving you a bit of that chance too and to experience that again maybe? Yeah, they often, like often I'll see students do things with materials that I've never seen before, which is great. Um, so yeah, I definitely learn from them as a teacher. And I remember too, it was always one of my favorite times was when I didn't really know what I was doing with the material. Mm-hmm. There was something sort of yes. magical about that, right? Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about being an artist is like that moment of what happens if, you know, what if I take this and this and put it together? Actually, one of the pieces for the show that's up, um, Jordan Whitenecht is a student who made this beautiful, um, it's a it's a portrait of a, sh- of a soldier. And uh, I told him, we, we sort of came up with this this thing together where he started with a chalk pastel background and then painted acrylics on top. And it, cre- it created this really beautiful texture that I'd never really seen before and these amazing outlines around the soldier. And it's something that I'm like, oh, you know, I, I still think about it because I just, I, I just love the texture and the line in this work. And it's just such a beautiful little piece. Um, and uh, yeah, so these kind of little ex- uh, explorations and discoveries are, are amazing. That's nice. And we're coming up to the end of the interview here. So mm-hmm. uh, if you would like to just sort of uh, give one more description or plug about the show to, so people can know <laughs> sure. uh, where to find it and what they'll be seeing there. You bet. So the show is called It's Personal. And it is a show featuring uh, four IB uh, visual arts students at Aidan Bowman. Eden Polischuk, 
Sam Boot, Vibika Helgeson, and Dakota Lolly, as well as a grade 11 series of portraits. It's up at the Gordon Snellgrove Gallery at the University of Saskatchewan. It starts Monday, November 14th. It goes until Friday, November 18th, and our opening reception just ended. <laughs> uh, it's at four, it goes from 4.30 to 7 on November 17th. Well, thanks again for joining me, Tamara. Thank you very much for inviting me. Again, you've been listening to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon. A reminder, you can always comment, follow us on social media. We're Unframed Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to hear this episode or any of our past episodes, you can find our podcast at unframedradio.com or on iTunes. Thank you and have a good evening.